that topic was off limits. I specifically asked you not to bring that up, and you brought it up. Film by bike. <laughs> it's over. I want to talk about it for a year. <laughs> so last week, dudes. Oh my god. Can we move on to other things? Palooza or something. Hello, welcome to the Sprocket Podcast. My name is Brock Dennis. This is where we simplify the good life. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally and globally, with a local and global perspective, Covering... and enjoying the best oh. that life has to offer oh, along the way. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, man, come on. we got to do the whole thing over again now. <laughs> Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, life hacks, running over people's lines, and today, all the things you missed at Film by Bike. That's all the things that you and I and missed. Notice. No, all the things you missed. You, I was me? there. You were I there. I was there the whole time. Okay. Well, Just I wasn't, like Bruce was. I wasn't there. So, wait, does that mean you were dead? <laughs> I you don't can... know. That's the twist at the end of Film by Bike. Aaron Flores <laughs> yeah, was, dead was dead the, dead whole, the whole time. time. We're here with Aileen Grotti. Hello. And Hi. Otis. Hi. Thanks. For, yeah. And mascot Otis. Yeah. Does Otis have a last name? Uh, no. Okay. No. But he does some... have a hashtag. Okay. Mascot Otis on Instagram. You can see all the cute photos people have taken with him over the years. Otis is the best dog. Hands down. Thanks. He's and pretty sweet. So he's down here by by our feet, and uh, he's being photographed, I believe, right now. Right now. Perfect. Uh, Otis ran here. I rode my bike, and he ran. Yeah. So that's why he's here today to get a little exercise. Oh my goodness! How cute is that? Head like on your leg, just like staring. <laughs> you up are going to have dog bear, hair on all that black that you wear. Oh, that's all <laughs> take right. it from experience. But I have, <laughs> I have. Well, in my house, I don't own these animals, but there's a dog and two cats in my house. Okay, so you're used to it. I'm pretty used to hair. Cool. Yeah. And Otis is mostly black-haired, right? So that means you won't see the hair at all. That's surprising. Dark it's brown. like only the white hairs come out for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if only. Right. Uh, the last time I saw you, Otis had also run an incredibly long distance. And I'm trying to remember. I think it was at Lad's 500. Oh, yeah. He ran to the Lad 500. That was super good. Cool. That was one of the biggest rides he's ever done. And we did a few loops in the race, too. Yeah. Really? With yeah. Otis running next to you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. At one point, he got out in the middle of the course. <laughs> so we put an end to that program. Yeah. That a little scary. Yeah. Well, everyone was super nice about it, but I was like, oh. right. He was just trying to get over to the median and, like, get to the sausages. So. Just because <laughs> people mean well doesn't mean that, like, you know, it, it's going to work out well in the end yeah. with all those people moving in a circle. Yeah. Uh, but you don't live in that neighborhood, nor do you live close to that neighborhood. So Otis did, how, you said, like, 13 miles that all day, that day? It was, yeah, including a couple loops around the uh, track or the course. It was about 13 miles that day with but, some stopping in the middle to hang out. But, yeah, it was a good one for him. And so, it was a hot day. So oh, it was. Hard. It was, like, the hottest of all the days around it, too. I mean, yeah. like there was there was really no other day comparable to that one in weather or no. or in glory. So, <laughs> yeah, Otis is stout of paw, and uh, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's he's in good shape. It seems he's working on it. Yeah. Winter was hard. It was a hard winter. It was a hard winter for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Tell we're me st- about it. <laughs> we're still feeling. I, I, we just have to like 
videotape that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's why this is a podcast. Yep. Someone just patting their stomach. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, it is good to have you back. Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you for having me. Is this your fifth time here? I, I'm trying to oh, remember. I should have counted up the, the number of times that you I come think in. That, but I that think that sounds right. Yeah, I think it might be number five, cool. which means you joined the five-timers club with everybody else. Do I get a patch or like a queen yes, or something? Um, Wait, you don't have a patch yet? Let's see. How? I have stickers. <laughs> You get a patch. You will get a patch. You I have one in my bag. I'm going to dig that out for you. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about this year's Film by Bike because uh, every other time you've come in, it's been to promote Film by Bike, which is yeah. cool and people should go. But uh, we've never <laughs> talked about how each one went. And so yeah. this one, we're going to cover all 13 Film by Bikes. We're going to talk about each one in sequence. <laughs> Just kidding. We're going to talk about this year's Film by great, Bike. Great. Great. Because I don't remember the first 14 years all that well anymore. They're all a blur. What is it? 15 now? This was oh, our 15th I'm year. Sorry to miscount. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, Yes. Have there been any, any apocryphal filmed by bikes? Uh, not Those that have been struck from the record? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I would have to say that years four, five, and six, I really don't, I really don't remember them very well. Right. <laughs> but year seven, we did seven days of film by bike to celebrate our seventh anniversary. That was a lot of work. That's and, a lot of days. Uh, yeah. pretty, I was pretty haggard at the end of it. Oh my goodness. It was, but it was still at cool. the Clayton Street Theater at that time? Yeah, I was so comfortable there. I was like, I kind of lived there. They were giving <laughs> me, they were just plying me with free beer at the bar, which bad idea. They, the <laughs> owner just said to the bartender, I'll just keep giving her beer because <laughs> she's here going. for days. <laughs> Did they have a cot set up for you? <laughs> Pretty much, nice. yeah. And it was because at the time the theater just didn't have much going on, so they were happy to oh, have okay. our crowds. And you know, May was only like some of those days; it was like thirty people, but they were okay. just stoked hey, to have thirty here. people there. Yeah. yeah, I've been to the Clinton Street Theater at various times over the past many years that I've lived in Portland. Sometimes it's been packed to the gills, and some days it has not. Some days you go in for a really special show, like a really niche interest show. And it's just like two people are there. Yeah. You so, are the niche. Yeah. Yes. You. Yes. <laughs> tonight's theme is movies that Brock likes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and this year it's been, what is it, like two and a half days or would you say three days? It's three full days, two shows every day. Okay. So, so that's really, yeah. really good this year. And right. this year for the first year ever, we were at Hollywood Theater all three days. Yeah. So usually our Sunday was a different format. It was VIP only. It was a smaller selection and it was somewhere else in a much smaller venue. But this year, we had so many films, we couldn't fit them all in. So we decided to just make Sunday a proper program. Yeah. So full on, full on everything. So How was the attendance on Sunday? It was great. We awesome. sold out of... Um, we technically sold out of both shows, but there were still some seats available because the weather was decent and people didn't show up. But um, we, we were in the smaller theater on Sunday, so oh, okay. it wasn't like we sold out of that like 380 <laughs> well, seat venue in the <laughs> in the bottom floor. But um, yeah, it was great, and you know that upstairs venue at Hollywood Theater is so perfect for our Sunday shows because that's when we do our filmmaker Q and A's and whatnot, and it just made for such an intimate venue for that, and with a packed house and people were super engaged. It was cool. It was real cool that day. Yeah, we all agreed that like that was a special day in the theater. Oh, so cool. it was great. We're going to talk a little bit more about film by bike in a minute, but first of all, I want to hear Aaron. What what have you been up to recently that is interesting to <laughs> Did, you or to me? Well, we already talked about like the whole like bus. Yeah, you don't get to talk about that this this week. Yeah, I don't get to talk about that again. People are going to start tuning out. <laughs> like oh, the supposedly bicycle themed podcast nerds. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, 
Well, I joined the, what is it, the Bike More Challenge? The, oh, yes. The May Bike More Challenge. Yeah, longtime uh, Portland residents or former Portland residents would remember this as the, uh, what was it? Uh, the sep- it used to be in September, and it used to be called something else. And the now, Bike Commute Challenge. The Bike Commute bike Challenge. Commute, yes. Very descriptive title. Now it's bike more because you may not be commuting, but you may still want to compete or participate. This is just, uh, do you ride bikes? If so, how much? Do you ride more than other people do? Do you ride more than you used to? And so you join this challenge. What I like about this is it's not totally just by mileage. I mean, mileage plays a pretty heavy uh, part in it, but also uh, how much you're encouraging other people to ride. And so if you get other people to join... And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, for example, Aaron Flores encouraged me to, to to ride and join this thing this month. Like, like then I would get points. So you get for points that. for fervor as well. Yes. Nice. Yes. Oh, Very that, good. I, that's new, isn't it? That's a neat feature. If it's new, yeah, it probably. That's a cool idea. This is my first year doing this. But I think, that's, I think it's really cool to have that feature in that, you know, you could be somebody who just really likes to ride but doesn't have a whole lot of like mileage under your yeah, belt yeah yeah so what are, how do they quantify you were saying like referrals or if someone if you sign right. up someone else so like someone else is signing up and it says like you know who encouraged who encouraged you to ride or who encouraged you to join and you know you just type in whatever name i just uh, a dog appeared yeah down below i i was surprised for a moment but not too surprised <laughs> I was doing a hand check. I saw everyone else's hands, and uh, so I realized yep. it was it was it definitely was the, the dog. dog. <laughs> but uh, yes, <laughs> Whew, thank uh, God. This is this is on the heels of the bike. What is it? Thirty days of biking, which usually happens in April. Yeah, which uh, I didn't do that this year. I haven't I've done never, that yet. I mean, actually. I've never done it officially. I've always biked in April, but uh, <laughs> but I've never actually done the uh, the uh, what well, a hashtag and the whole thing. Right. But uh, that's similar. In I know Minneapolis has that, and many other cities do as well. Uh, and there are other other programs we've heard about where people, you know, are are trying to kind of uh, stoke the the fervor of bicyclists yeah. in their particular locality. So hey, if you if you like to ride bikes, let's make it into a thing. Let's celebrate the advent of good weather. Yeah, and this is really cool. Like how um, if you're biking like so many days in a row, you get a little I don't know coupon for. Something. Oh, right. Yeah, you like know. you get a discount for something. I remember right. this year. And it year... doesn't mean like, you know, you had to bike like, you know, 20 miles a day for five days or you didn't have to bike, you know, whatever. It's just you got on you got on your bike and you rode, you know, X amount of days in a row. Right, so, right. Great. Good job. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of positivity around this whole setup. Totally. Yeah. And this is cool, too, because the, the Bike Commute Challenge, when it was in September, um, this also is, uh, used to be the bicycle transportation Alliance, which is now the street trust. Yes. And so everything has been rebranded. Everything is brand new, but it does make sense for perhaps this challenge to be in May when the nice weather is just showing up because that's when all the bike shops are full of people's bikes that need to be fixed <laughs> because they've <laughs> yes. been sitting for, you know, winter or more. And yeah, this, this is a good thing. Yeah. Speaking of fixing bikes. Yes. So I'm back to running a, a one by nine. As in, um, you have a broken front derailleur. <laughs> yeah, broke my front derailleur again. <laughs> right. Um, this it wasn't so much broken as like I never had any shims for uh-huh. it, and I just kept wrapping old tires or old tubes. Which is a around. good fix. I mean, it, it works, but it's it's also rubber, and so like you know things tend to slip and slide, especially when you have like 
constant tension on the cable. Eventually, it breaks it, down, and it just kept sliding down to the point where, like, at at some point, I was I was writing, and I just hear this like clack 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 clack, and <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I'm in between gears, and I like go to shift, and it just like sticks on the teeth of my chain ring. You are in and fact it, in between gears. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So I had to pull the whole thing off. But here was a really here was a really creative fix I did or an interesting opportunity from this was say you do have a problem with your front derailleur like out in the field or whatever. Uh-huh. You don't have like cable cutters um or you just want to keep that cable. Mhm. You don't want to clip it, you know, you can just, you know, wrap another front derailleur around it. Right. Um uh, how do you, what do you do with like all that cable, mm-hmm. you know, that's just on your bike, uh, but still like be able to ride. Aaron, what would you do with all that cable? What so, did you do yes. with all that cable? So, because it, you know, came from underneath the bottom bracket and came up, I undid one of the bolts for my bottle cage. Mm. Genius. I know and where then, this is going. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. And then you just, you know, you just wrap it around the bolt and you have like a couple washers pinching it and then you tighten that bolt and the bottle cage right up against it. And that keeps it in place while you're looking for uh, a new uh, part or yes, something. Exactly. Yeah. Aileen, how long has it been? With, with Anything that breaks on your bike, what's the longest you've gone without fixing something on a bike? Oh, that's a good question. I'm terrible about maintenance, so I will say that, you know, uh, I don't know what the longest has been with anything significant, though I did once ride with um, a broken and then missing pedal for far too long. It was broken. More than a week? It was broken for a week, like cracked, and then it was just gone for a day. But I was like, uh, it's terrible. It was terrible to ride, but I like couldn't. I didn't know. I was a teenager. Sure. Oh, know. Okay. You know, I was like 19 at the time. And at this point, it's like that's the only bike that you have, I'm assuming. It's not at like you had a backup. Time. Yeah, at yeah. that time. I mean, you know, I forget that it is a luxury to have backup bikes. It is. Yeah. Not everybody has that. So I just barely, like I have, I have the clown bike I can ride, the big clown bike, if... Uh, <laughs> as opposed to the little clown bike. Yes, but the large clown bike. Yeah. You can uh, still use the same acronym. I still feel weird taking that out, so it's not really a replacement bike. It's like a it's a halfway replacement. But, yes. So, you have you replaced the derailleur by now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still running a 1 by 9. Uh, I, so, I went to VeloCult and... and I, you know, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm like you know like putting them on blast or anything. I, I hope not. Them. We'll find no, out. No, because they're great, but they're like so backed up. Oh right. And they didn't have the part that I like at first. I was like, well, yeah, like I'll I'll like give them my bike and they can they can work on it and whatever. But they were so backed up, like it was going to be a few days, and I you know I didn't really want to be without my bike. Yeah, it's and, the curse of uh, you know it's. Uh, Booming business, as it yeah. always is in every bike yeah, shop in the spring. So, you know, if anything, like, I hope it comes away with, like, or people come away from this story so much with, like, uh, oh, wow, this is this is a great booming business and not, like, you know, oh, Velo Cult did me, did me wrong. Because they didn't. Never go uh, into a bike shop again. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they, they wanted to keep my bike and I couldn't really do that. And so then was like, well, just sell me the derailleur. And I'll put it on myself, and then they realize they didn't have. We don't have the. Derailleur. <laughs> they didn't have the front derailleur. Yeah, all the so, parts are sold out as well. It's on order, but I also 
probably don't see myself as being kind of a high priority right now for them. Sure. So they've got bikes in the basement they need to fix and get out on a schedule. It could be a few days or a few weeks. And I know I could just go to like any other like parts shop, universal cycles. Sure. They probably have one in the warehouse. Right. But I've already sort of committed to this. Oh, gotcha. So in this case, you're just, I mean, it's, it's a nice time just to take it easy. Yeah. You're not going to well, sprain yourself. You're not going to like have any muscle problems. I'm going to put some wear on all the other gears. That is true. That is true. But it's it's not the worst it could be. No. Nah, yeah. Nah. Well, I wish you happy and smooth sailing. Enjoy <laughs> the slow ride. Yes. Uh, until until your parts come in. This weekend I took a weekend trip with Adele up to see my grandma. I hadn't seen her in 3 years oh, yeah. it turned out. Um Suddenly, you know, time ticks by, and all of a sudden, I looked at the calendar. It had been three years since we'd seen her in person. Oh, wow. And she just moved into not assisted living, but, like, what is it? Like, independent living, uh-huh. where they have an apartment, but she also has a cable she can pull if somebody needs to come up and, like, right. help her out. So um, Someone's there to look in on you if you yeah, need it. Yeah. yeah. So it was good to go and hang out and catch up and see her. Um, one thing I realized, one of the things that comes with not owning a car is that you also don't buy car insurance. Unless you're yes. one of those weird people who buys car insurance with a car you don't own, but most people don't. So uh, I've Is always that really been, a thing. No, it's not. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I've never heard <laughs> I was of it. Trying to figure that out. Unless someone listening here, in fact, buys an auto policy without owning a vehicle, but I feel like you have to. Anyways, I've always been confused about the rental car situation. Like, if I don't have my own primary insurance, what do I do? Depends on what you what your credit card is. Exactly. Well, yes. Yeah. Because some of them will cover that. Right. And so that's what I found just out. Just renting with, the car. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. You yeah, go. and you just rented a car as well. Yes. So we should compare stories because uh, I I was aware, kind of tangentially, that there's some sort of protection involved. I finally read the fine print. It was after we had rented the car and were on the road, hoping that I the had done the right thing. The fine print on the rental company insurance? No, on my card on agreement. Card. Yeah, okay. my, my uh, kind of member benefits thing of me. Um, so I, I found out that in my case... My credit card will act as primary insurance if I don't have my own. So that means if anything happens to the rental car, I have insurance backed up on my on my Visa card. Uh, if anything happens to somebody else, then you need uh, you need an, an additional policy, which we got from the rental car company. Uh, but it's important to know exactly what it is because some people, uh, for example, Aileen, you own a truck, so yeah. you have insurance. I do. I assume. I do. Comes <laughs> but that means territory. if you were going to rent a car, you wouldn't have to worry about all this because you have a policy that will cover you already yeah. as a driver. Yeah. But anybody who doesn't own a vehicle, um, occasionally you want to use a car. And I think uh, it's definitely uh, it's a worthwhile lifestyle because you can save a ton of money if you're not in a position to afford it. Um, but again, if you do need to rent a car, you got to figure that out. If you're using some sort of like zip car or car to go or reach now or something like that, they have, uh, they have insurance built in. They also have mileage limits, but yes. It's also worth it if you're going to rent a car periodically and you are car free to just find a credit card that's got good coverage. Because all the credit cards are trying to have a little something that makes them unique. Right. And they're all kind of the same, but you just got to choose the features that are going to be the most benefit to you. And you can they're out there. There are ones out there. I don't know what they are, but there are ones out there um, that have really good rental car coverage. Totally. So it's worth it. Yeah. I don't have this one, but I was reading as I was doing my research. Apparently, Chase Sapphire uh, has a pretty good uh, coverage thing. So They do. Yeah. 
Are you familiar with this? I, I am. I'm pretty intimately oh, familiar with. Interesting. It. Good yes. to know. Well, I, that- I, I think of that as like that's gaming the system right there. Like you get your credit card. You're not paying any extra, especially if you're paying your stuff on time. But you're getting the benefit of coverage when you rent, and then you can be car free, and I don't know, and not have to pay the insurance to the rental car company. I feel like that's gaming the system, yeah. and I'm all for it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I did not know. This is this is a credit to Anna, my girlfriend, uh-huh. who like gets off on reading the fine print, like. Oh, I did not. That's so sexy. Uh, I am not a fine print reader, but I love it I when people a, do. Yeah, I'm not either. And especially when it comes to like financial stuff, like she's all about it, which is even better. Like why we're together. <laughs> Cause I like, I don't know. Stuff costs things and I will. Okay. Oh, I'm out of stuff. So like, I guess I get <laughs> no, no more things. Things, yep. <laughs> things and uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, she's all about like reading the fine print and, and this stuff, and I did not realize this. And I've rented cars here and there. I've always su- suckered myself into buying the extra insurance because, I mean, I was for a long time mostly cash only. You know, I had a, a debit card like f- to secure a a rental car, and a lot of rental places don't even use that anymore. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, and so. That wouldn't cover anything, so I would always pay for the extra insurance or whatever. Right. And there was this whole conversation between her and I about, like, the card actually covers the the rental insurance. And and it, it got to a point where, like, I actually started trolling her with, like, <laughs> hey, they're saying something about the insurance, and it seems like a really good idea. I think we should go for it. She's like, No! <laughs> Well, in my case, my fine print said that you have to decline their collision coverage yeah. in order for yours yeah. to be valid. Yeah, and that was one of hers. Right, yeah. right. And that's not liability, that's collision. Again, that's in my case. You have to read your own fine print. Uh, and, of course, uh, just in case anyone is taking all of this as gospel, read your own read fine your own print. Fine we can't print. tell you. Yes. Consult your own financial professional. <laughs> who may also who be may your also domestic be partner. Your, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, well, it, it's good to know anyways. I think it's it's the sort of thing that, you know, I, I was worried about it for all these years. And finally, we just kind of figured it out and realized I am in compliance with the Yay. law. Good news. Hooray yeah. for compliance. One place you don't have to worry about the fine print. One place there is no fine print. The Beer Monger, Southeast, Southeast Division, Division in 12. 12. That's right. It's a great place to go in, find a beverage. We have some tasty beverages from there tonight. And, uh, you know, the only... The only clause, perhaps, is that if you buy something that's in a can or a bottle, there is a cappage fee because they got to pay the rent. Yes. But that is not fine print. It's uh, it's very clearly spelled out next to the register and on the fridges. So, uh, yeah, it's a good place to go, good place to be. Big stick on the ceiling. Bay door that rolls up during nice oh, weather yeah. like the stuff we've been having recently. Nice sheltered from the sun. If the sun is uh, beating down, you've had a nice day out, and you want to get out of the sun for a while, that's the place. Also... It's still not too late to vote for them as Portland's best bottle shop in Absolutely. the Willamette Week. Oh, they're Absolutely. for that award. Yep. Yes. Cool. And there are many bottle shops in this town, but they are the finest of them all. Yes. They deserve your vote. I was talking to a mutual friend of ours about this. What did this mutual friend say? <laughs> he said, first I would have to go there. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Take my word for it. You can vote from anywhere. <laughs> Matter of fact, if you were just someone who likes Portland, you can vote from Literally anywhere. Anywhere. 
And I don't think that's gaming the system. I think you just have to like Portland. Yeah, we, uh, Film by Bike is also up for an award through that same uh, oh, process. Really? <laughs> yes, the Best Film Festival Award. Yeah, yeah. We are in the running. And well, hands down. Oh, I it, guess there are other films. I'm like, are there other films? There are no other film festivals. <laughs> Alien, tell us about Tell us about the only film festival in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> this is a great segue. <laughs> no, Film by Bike is, I think it is one of the best because oh, thank you. other film festivals take like days and hours at a time just to, to figure out what, you know, what you're watching and what you're looking at. Film by Bike features mostly short films. Yes. Did you have any long form features this no, year? No, okay. no more. No more. <laughs> no more. And it's unfortunate and fortunate. I mean, it allows us to show more stuff, but uh, we did bring in some really meritable films that were incredible, and we did huge projects to promote them and to help people understand what they were and to fill the theater, and people just didn't show up for the long stuff. Ah. So our audience likes it short, and so we feel like they're different avenues for showcasing those longer films which are important stories but our audience during the festival weekend i mean we, perhaps we could do an off-season event and people would come but during the festival people are giddy and excited and they want it short fast and punchy short films where you so. don't lose the plot you know exactly what's happening yeah on yeah and you know one of the things i love about that is this year one of our focuses was stories with a lot of substance and heart behind them telling important stories that may not be told otherwise. And a lot of these folks in the audience weren't going to sit through a 20 minute movie about these programs that are happening in developing nations and whatnot. But <laughs> in five minutes, they got a glimpse of it. And now they know that program's happening. Now they can care. They were moved. Um, people had tears in their eyes. And that, I think, the short form is really valuable for engaging people and getting them interested in the beginning of a topic and then challenge by choice. If they want to learn more, they can explore that topic, but now they know about it and it might come up in conversation later. You know, those people out there who are connectors and just sort of store info and share it randomly, they're going to do that with these stories now that they wouldn't have seen otherwise. So I think it's a great start, and that's really how our society works these days. Little snippets of info, and then we can do more with it later. Instead of just trying to jam down people's throat, uh, you know, a 45-minute movie about something they have no familiarity with. That's right. asking a lot. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're saying, no matter how valid and how, no matter how great the point is that the filmmaker is making, they can't make that point quickly enough to keep everyone's attention, which is why if In you show a, a full-length feature, it's not like people have been seeing the previews for this and movie posters around town and, right. you know, like a, a major beverage company has been, has been backing it with an advertising campaign or something. Yeah. So it's really hard to kind of foster the entrance necessary for a long film like that. Yeah. So we specialize in shorty shorts. We love it. Um, this year, more than ever, our films were shorter than ever. Just that's the nature of what came in. A lot. I haven't yet done the math. I wish I would have because I'm super curious. I'm also super bad at math. But uh, I think our films averaged around four minutes this year. There I mean, we go. Super short films this year. So it was fun. Yeah. Very good. And uh, our friend Guthrie uh, was kind of, uh, what was his official position this year? He's our films manager. Films so he manager. does all the work to find films, bring in films, answer filmmaker questions, make sure that if they're coming to town, they've got a place to stay. We have a whole homestay program to give them a more authentic Portland experience and also cheap accommodations. Um, and he just does so much work with our filmmakers and ensuring the technical side of things as well. For instance, the theater has some new equipment 
and we tested our films rigorously, but something came up on Saturday during the films. Oh. In order to make it perfect for Sunday, and it was something that most of the audience could not notice, but we had filmmakers in attendance, and Guthrie is very detailed that way. And, you know, he stayed up till midnight working with the projectionist, trying to perfect things for the next day, and also they figured out some great ideas for next year. But that's the kind of dedication that our team brings to the endeavor, especially Guthrie. I love that he's got the... Um, the passion for films and the technical know-how to make it all happen. Um, it's a lot of work that we used to just kind of hope worked out, and now we've got someone dedicated to it. Right. It makes right. me feel real good. Well, he is a good, good person. We're we're big fans of Guthrie Strauss. <laughs> yes. uh, he's been on the show several times, and uh, anyone who is unfamiliar and with Guthrie. And hosted the show a couple of times. That's right. As a matter of fact, the last time he was on the show, he was the host of the show. That is true. Yeah. Yes. In our absence. <laughs> so... <laughs> Definitely. But he did a great job pulling together a lot of this stuff. Great collection of films this year. Yeah. what uh, Was there anything this year that made this film by bike different than other years past? Yeah. We had three things I was really excited about. I think it's three. I'll start saying them and then we'll see if I think of something else. It's like five or six. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let the math bog you down. So I'll just briefly, just to you know, um, jump on what I was just saying. In the early years, we had a lot of fluffy stuff, fixie trick riding, BMX tricks in the city, mountain bike. Ooh, look at me going down the sweet trail. And that stuff is fun and fluffy and it's lots of good eye candy. But over the years, we've seen different trends in bike movies. For a while there, it was spoof rap videos related to bikes. And I'm a there was sucker. a few of those. I'm a sucker for that <laughs> yeah. stuff. So I was like, bring I'm it on. I'm on a motherfucking bike. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, it's all about performance. Oh, right. The that's name of the, the name game. the name of the game. Yeah. I pump up my tires, not oil my chain. Exactly. Yeah. So that stuff is super fun. But, you know, after a while, it only goes so far, right? So over the years, we've seen more and more content come in with heart and this year in particular we saw a lot of stories that had a lot of substance in particular stories of how bikes are changing lives and how bikes are changing lives in developing nations and these are stories that some of which were being told from people who are involved in those communities and live in those communities others were ngos and other organizations coming from outside who are involved with those organizations telling that story um, and there's stories that aren't being told otherwise so as much as we could hope that the stories were all made from the locals perspective um, the filmmakers all did a great job of bringing in diverse viewpoints and getting those on screen that we wouldn't see otherwise so lots of good movies with heart uh, we brought in Mercy Corps and World Bicycle Relief as partners to bring that program to the screen. So we wanted to be able to highlight Mercy Corps because they're doing great work on a global scale, but they're based here in Portland. So that was neat. I'm curious when you say brought them in as partners, it's not necessarily the same thing as sponsors because right. a nonprofit probably isn't going to be, they're not giving you a bunch of money. To right. Share, right. right? <laughs> yeah. But by partner, you mean like you, you both have a similar aim of wanting to get some exposure on these ideas, these stories these topics yeah so we scratched each other's backs a lot like world bicycle relief uh flew in from chicago they were very curious about what we're doing because we've been in chicago before and we're on their radar and they wanted to see the festival firsthand so we gave them a booth at the street party which is is usually limited to sponsors only and then they brought their bike they have a signature bike built for developing nations the buffalo bike which is Burly is all get out. It's made to withstand the rigors of muddy, ruddy, dry conditions to be very serviceable. It's heavy, but it's a, an awesome bike built for those conditions and built for programs where they distribute bikes to people in need. 
And they've got a whole program of how they distribute those bikes, and it sounds very well thought out. I'm really impressed by the work they do. They've got a lot of industry support from Trek and SRAM. Um, they're based out of Chicago. And so they've got a really great reputation in the bike industry. And it, from what I know, uh, my history with nonprofits and giving programs and from my conversations with them, it sounds like they're really doing it up right very in cool. a way that it's not just like give this away and hope it doesn't break down. But right. there's a lot more thought that goes into it. So anyway, it was great having them out. We did a filmmaker ride on Sunday. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't tell from here, but it could be. That could be it. It looks very similar to that. The Buffalo bike? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think that's it. This particular image says, this is not a bike. It's an engine for economic and cultural empowerment. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, they They brought a Buffalo bike. They rode it on the filmmaker ride, brought it up on stage. So people got to see it and hear more about the work they do. So it was, there were two films in the festival this year that World Bicycle Relief is affiliated with. And the four filmmakers from the two films were here, came up, one from Wisconsin and the other from San Francisco, the other group. It was really neat to hear from them on what that process was like, making those films and being in those places and meeting those people that the films profile. And then to have World Bicycle Relief on stage was great. We kicked off that program with Mercy Corps talking about, you know, the guy basically said, Mercy Corps does great work. And it's in a lot of um, disaster scenarios, they come in for disaster relief. But he said the one in the sky has been like at it forever, right? He's like old Peace Corps dude, been at it for a long time, some programs all over the world. He's like, but the one thing you always see is you see bikes. You see bikes coming in in disaster situations, in recovery situations. The bikes are what can get through and nothing else can. The bikes are what allow people to get their supplies places. And I was like, that's so cool to hear it from this guy who's really on the front lines of that kind of stuff. So. We were there goes the dog under the table. Started licking my hand. Freaked me out. (laughs) Was not expecting Uh, that. There's a dog under the table. (laughs) Um, so that was a really big focus for us this year is stories with heart and substance. And yeah. not, not only about developing nations, but just in general, how bikes are changing lives and sure. like, why we do love these machines that we ride. Another big focus for us was um, Portland is going through a lot of change. And we, uh, as a festival, would not be here today if it weren't for the creative spirit of Portland that got us here. And the creativity of the city and all of that. So we wanted to use the festival as a platform to honor the creativity of Portland that got us here today in any light touches ways that we could. So our poster was designed by the nation's most formative rock and roll poster artist, Mike King, who used to live here in Portland. Uh And when I think of my early days in Portland in the early 2000s, and I think about riding my bike and wandering around the city, I just have these colorful visions of street poles plastered in posters. And I remember when Vera Katz, the mayor, set those telephone poles aflame because not (laughs) to, not to, yeah, not to say like no more rock posters, no more show posters. It's the devil's music. But it was because they had become a fire hazard because they had become like, 30, 50 posters thick. Yeah. Because people would just post up and up and up. Doubling the width of the pole. Yeah. And so it was a hazard. So that was like the best solution they could come up with. But anyway, think about these old show posters and just seeing that as the vibrancy and colorful nature and creativity of Portland back then. So we wanted a poster. Our poster every year is a really keepsake signature piece that reflects the tone of the festival. And there are people who collect them all. 
In fact, if you'd like to see a broad collection of them, they're not on display in any galleries, but you could go to the bathroom at the PSU Bike Hub, and apparently there's a quite a fine collection of our really? posters Ooh. in the bathroom. Holy I cow. S- Thanks, Clint. I smell a pedal palooza ride brewing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's cool. So we did, we, we did that. We brought on uh, a diverse array of presenters on stage to honor that, um, just the diversity of Portland. And we had uh, Representative Grichel from Friends on Bikes, which is a new bike riding group of women of color. Um, We had Chris Franklin, who goes out and adventures in the woods and makes stories about it and just is making adventure life and exploring our nature really accessible. And he and his crew are really diverse. And I mean, we just tried to bring in a lot of that, what I love about Portland aspect and, and the history of Portland. So that was number two. The third thing we were really excited about this year is we also recognize that we can throw a great event all we want, but it's really the films that make Film by Bike special and the filmmakers making those films. So we wanted to use this year's festival as a way to honor our filmmakers um, because over the years, more and more are coming to visit, which is so cool. I mean, it was just four or five years ago that our buddy Doman came and he was from Slovenia and it was like the second filmmaker to ever visit film by bike, yeah. you know? So and he was and, here for the whole thing. I remember he was like hanging out. He was at all the rides, all the events. Yeah. And then the next year he came on as our festival assistant. And, and so we've really seen this like shot up like 17 filmmakers visiting this year from all over the world, all over the U S Canada, Australia. So we wanted to do more for our filmmakers. So we hosted a filmmaker brunch where we all sat and had brunch on the upper deck at radio room on a sunny day. And we just chilled out for two hours. And, you know, I was kind of nervous thinking, okay, these people do not know each other. And they're just going to sit around. And what, what if, like, no <laughs> one has... Gonna be what if no one has, Am right. I going to have to moderate and, like, ask questions <laughs> to get people talking? What but is it that I, you enjoy about your experience in Portland? What's bicycle riding like where you live? Like, what... How did you decide to make bicycle films? Yeah. And then I, and then I got there, and we all settled in, and I realized... Everyone was just chatting away like crazy. Right and then you think about it. It's like, yeah, we all like bikes. We all like film. Uh, they all make bike films. It's like so niche. How could you not have something to talk <laughs> right. about? They were just so excited to be in the room with other people who understand their passion. Perfect. So it was so, so cool. That filmmaker brunch to me, highlight number one of the festival this year. So cool. Meeting the filmmakers, hanging out with them, riding with them, learning from them. To me, that was like my favorite part of the festival this year by far. Um, and we hope to do more of that in the future. It's a big focus for what we want to be doing is it's just really learning from the filmmakers and giving them kudos and giving them a space to connect and share resources and collaborate on projects and all that kind of stuff too. Totally. Have there been any like collaborations come out of this yet? Um, not yet, but I yeah. know last year we had an ad hoc filmmaker brunch and someone was relaying yeah. to me anecdotally that she had heard a couple of them connecting up about a potential right. work project. Oh, cool. And then the cool thing was we've got an awesome filmmaker here in Portland who we're really tight with, Dean Dickinson. Um, he does a lot of work on skate parks and making them bike friendly. And he's, so he's tied into the skate community as well. He's a super cool guy. He's a film instructor up at a high school in Vancouver. And he's buddies with one of the filmmakers who came to visit from Boise. So that was really neat because they, they're kind of, they run in the same circles BMX wise, but they don't hang out because they live in different states. And so they got to hang out and connect a little bit at the right festival. On. So that was super cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's where like future projects can be born. Yeah, that's People what we hope. Swapping yeah. ideas. Yeah, and... yeah, because internet is great, but in person is pretty special. In so, real life, IRL. Yeah. Uh, well, so if if we missed the festival, say we really <laughs> wanted to experience film by bike, and we didn't go this year, is there any hope for us? Or are yeah, we yeah. Um, May sixteenth. When is that? That's coming right up. We'll be in Boise. Could head over to Boise. We're going to be in Eugene. Oh, that's like tomorrow. That is like tomorrow. <laughs> You're saying that film by bike uh, is not just in Portland that you can experience in other cities. That's right. So we've how is this possible? It's pretty cool. So we realized um, people kept coming to us in our early, um, about six years ago, people started coming to us asking if they could show film by bike. We used to have a compilation DVD. Nobody buys DVDs anymore. So we've discontinued that program. But cities and, and nonprofits and whatnot would come to us and ask us if they could show film by bike where they were. And we didn't have the legal rights to do that. Um, but we beta tested a program kind of flying under the radar for a while with a group with several groups, but mostly this group out in Ithaca, New York. They run a program called Streets Alive with an exclamation point, and they're getting people active in their community, and they wanted to do a film component, but they just didn't have the resources to put together a festival. So they started showing film by bike, and we just kept working with them for six years and a few other cities we worked with, and we got the ideas and feedback from those groups and figured out how to shape this program and then eventually got it all shored up and launched last year in 2016, officially launched our on-tour program where other cities can host film by bike. There we go. And since then, we've been in about... We've been in about 30, 40 cities total over the years, um, everywhere from we were in Hong Kong, we were in Turkey, which was very exciting. They were doing a whole festival around women riding bikes, and, and it's like, that was great. That's um, really cool. In Izmir, and then we were in, we've been in Australia several times. They've had some really cool stuff going on there. And so we've really been all over. It's been mm, sometimes film festivals host film by bike as a component. We've had museums and galleries hosting as part of a bicycle celebration, a lot of municipalities and a lot of bike nonprofits. And what we're also finding is in a lot of cities and a lot of towns, the bike culture is really carried by a signature bike shop. That's how it was for Velocol in San Diego when they were down in San Diego. And it's a big reason they moved up here is because there wasn't a strong bike culture hub. They were the ones to do all like the stuff. Like they have to shoulder the entire load. Yeah. And that is, that is what tends to happen in a lot of towns. And so we're starting to work more with bike shops to encourage them to host a screening of Film by Bike. We make it really easy. On our website, there's um, a whole page of information. And basically, the host cities, we leave a lot of the logistics up to them so they can plan an event that makes most sense for their community. So you're not bringing your entire staff. We don't bring our staff. <laughs> no, we're too small. Um, and we also want them to create an event that makes sense. What time a year is best for them. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, an event could come into Portland and try and do something in Hillsboro and it's just not going to work. So sure. I wouldn't know that as an outsider. Um, so we leave it up to the locals. We give them all these promotional materials, promotional reels and videos that they can use and just all the assets they need. Lots of hand holding. We're happy to discuss through, you know, how long should your program be and what other elements should you have a raffle? Should it be on a Thursday? And 
all that kind of stuff. We love to talk through those details. Um, and then we strongly encourage groups to use it as a fundraiser. It can be an awesome fundraiser. A lot of cities, a lot of these organizations are, are fortunate to have a partnership with a theater, which is neat. I'm hearing that from a lot of places. And so if they can get that venue donated or at a reduced cost, then they can easily make money on ticket sales. And I think it's such a cool way for bike nonprofits to be raising money. So for instance, we were in Chicago last August and the organization that hosted was West Town Bikes. And they do a lot of programs for youth, get youth riding, low income youth. And they had this program that was going to be cut. The budget wasn't there. They just couldn't keep it going. They loved the program, but the money wasn't there. They hosted film by bike and they raised just enough money to keep the program going. They didn't originally know what they would do with the money from Film by Bike. They just thought, well, we'll see what comes in and then we'll figure it out. And then they saw what they had gotten in and they were like, you know, we could use this to keep that program going. So to me, that's really what that I like to think of Film by Bike on tour as just a tool. Do you want to use it to get your city active? Do you want to use it to raise money? Is it just for fun or or all of that? Great. Go for it. We've got this tool. We put eight months of the year, 15 years plus eight months of the year <laughs> working on it. Guthrie works so hard to coordinate these films. There's no reason anyone else should try and recreate the wheel. We've got it. And now we're just packaging it up and sending it on the road. And our filmmakers love it because we're giving them a much broader audience. So we're really, really excited about this. You know, once we kind of hit upon the idea of doing this, it was sort of like, yeah, because we put all this work into it. It seemed a shame to just end it after the festival here and be like, well, that's it. All that work and no one else gets to see it. (laughs) See you next year, guys. But it's like, no, let's share this awesome. I mean, those films are so, they've gotten to be so powerful. So we love that we can send it on the road now it's super cool it's super cool we have a our calendar is growing for the year we're all like we're all over idaho which is super Very cool um and we're gonna be in we've been in we were just in salt lake city and we're gonna be in park city and we're gonna be also we were just in st george utah so we're all over Utah, too, which is interesting. Um, we're going to be in Seattle, which we're super excited yeah, about. Nice. We're partnering with BikeWorks in Seattle. They are a super rad bike nonprofit. Been around for a long, 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 long time. They do awesome, awesome work up there. And we're super stoked to be partnering with them and because they're like a sister city to us, right? Yeah. So right. we're and excited so about that. Yeah. So we'll probably, a bunch of us from the festival will probably go up there for it. I think it'd be really fun. Along with the sibling rivalry. You yeah, know, a little bit of sister that. City, We're like know. the little guys. They're the big guys. Just don't steal our trophy from Bicycle Magazine's list, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone uh, fights for that one right. really hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I think yeah. there is something to be said, too, for, you know, sometimes people want to, I feel like there's an ethical aspect of bicycling. People want to do the right thing and be a bike person. They want like, the bicycle to, you know, guide their, the way they get around their city and that sort of thing. But it's hard to do when you're not surrounded by a pervasive bike culture that you can't ignore. Like right. in Portland, there's a lot of it here. In Seattle, there's a lot of it. You know, uh, In Minneapolis, there's a lot of it. And in St. Paul. But there are also cities where like you don't, you might be the only bicyclist you know. Yeah. And if you can go to an event like Film by Bike and re, you know, realize that you're not the only one, that there are a lot of people that are excited about the things that you are excited about. That goes a long ways towards like not feeling like you're the crazy one. Right. So, yeah, uh, this is great. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I've always loved about Film by Bike is 
it is a different format of bike event, clearly. Um, you're not on your bicycle, but you're in a dark room. And it's <laughs> not until the end of the program when those lights go on that you realize who you're sitting next to. And it is, someone was asking me this the other day, who goes to film by bike? Is it the racers? Is it the this? Is it the that? I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's people, it's, it's people. Like, <laughs> yeah. especially this year when I looked around at that crowd and I'm like, these people, I recognize a lot of them. They come from different disciplines of cycling and different interests. And it's a lot of the people who just like the, the whole creativity of Portland, the keep Portland weird. They're going just because it's a Portland thing to go to. Yeah. The number one neighborhood we draw from is the Hollywood district. That is our yeah. number one ticket buying neighborhood. It's neighbors that? coming out. And yeah. I think yeah. that's super cool because that's not even a big neighborhood. So totally. Yeah. I think that's really, really cool. That's great. Yeah. Well, before uh, before we close out, you uh, are going to be leading at least one Pedal Palooza ride. Uh, uh, yes. Portland's Month of Bike Fun. Yeah, I'm working on leading the ride with the winemakers. It's going to be an opportunity to learn about wine from people who absolutely love bikes. Um, there's a lot of people think about beer and bikes, but there's actually a really great culture around wine and bikes as well. And it's not for the snooty snooty. So this is all about asking those questions that you've always been too embarrassed to ask. The filmmakers are super great, approachable guys. So this event was started. Winemakers. <laughs> Wine it's like movies for your for your tongue. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, so uh, Jay Wright Vintner is the the lead. Joe Wright. He's a winemaker, and his brand is Jay Wright Vintner. It's his personal wine brand, and he's really fun to work with. So. We're going to be riding bikes, sipping wine, and hopefully if all goes well, we're going to be noshing on some local foods, regional stuff, uh, snacks, and talking about where our food comes from and how great wine is made in the Willamette Valley especially. And, and that really is all about the connection between the people and the land and a desire to do things in a better way, which I think is a lot. That's a lot of the tenants that we live by as cyclists as well, wanting to be more connected to the world around us and be healthier and be do right by the environment and so many other things. So it's going to be a fun ride. It is scheduled for June 10th. June 10th. All right. Well, we're going to have to put that on our calendar. Yes. Very good. Uh, well, thank you, Aileen, for coming in. Thanks for sharing. It's, it's really so exciting developments in the world of film by bike. We're glad to have followed it and participated as many years as we have. So. Yeah, thank you. And for anyone listening, if you want film by bike to come to where you live and ride, just see our website. There's tons of information there. And Jane, who is on our team, would love to talk you through it. So let's go all around the world. That's right. Book film by bike in your city. Yes. If it's already booked in your city, go. Go get tickets. on it. The schedule's on our website. Yeah. Very good. Do you have time to hang out with us for our calendar mail and news? Oh, yes. Fabulous. All right. Well, let's move, first of all, speaking of Pedalpalooza rides and other things, to our calendar. I love, I love, I love, I love the don't, don't ever use that. What's on our calendar? All right. Uh, still going on since May 11th till July 2nd, the Vintage Italian Bike Exhibit presented by Brooklyn Velodrome Vintage Wheelmen, and that's at the Italian American Heritage Museum in Brooklyn, New York. Beautiful. Also, I skipped this. I'm going back. The <laughs> second Friday of every month. Indianapolis Bike Party. We got a piece of mail later on yes. from this, I believe. So, yes, this is a good time. May 19th, Bike to Work Day in D.C. and in Portland. So, when you say and in Portland, was this that it is also Bike to Work Day in Portland or that every day 
is well, bike to work day I in mean, Portland. For many of us, every day <laughs> is bike to work day. But um, the what's it called? The Go Lloyd. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are hosting a little breakfast for bike, That's bike right. to work day neighborhood in booster Lloyd, in Lloyd District. Yes. Very good. Uh, May twentieth, reach the beach. This is a an organized ride. An organized ride from here to the beach. Cannon Beach, uh, I Pacific believe City. Pacific City, Pacific right, right. City. And okay. there are any number of tiers you can take, any uh, number of distances. May twenty sixth through 29th, Vanport Mosaic Festival. Yes, this is a great cultural event. Uh, good history to know about here in town. And Stream PDX will be there. That's right. May twenty eighth. P-Town Throwdown Skateboard, it's a skateboard race. race in the Selwood neighborhood. June 1st is the start of Palooza. Now a full month of bike fun. Yes. The first is a Thursday, and the first Thursday of June is usually the start of Palooza. So kickoff ride. Boom. Yes. This yes. is the right calendar year for that. And going back to its roots, because the original of Palooza was a month long. Oh, is that right? <laughs> really? So it was in August. So it shrunk. <laughs> It was, called, it was in August? And it was called Bike Summer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah we, we've talked to you about this uh, a couple of years ago. I but... could go on and on. <laughs> no, this is like sure. my favorite topic. No, it, it's good stuff. Uh, Otis. He's got his paw in my hand. Oh, <laughs> I think Otis and I are friends. And speaking of Pedalpalooza, June 6th, the Alameda Stair Carry. That's right, which is the the ride that I am leading, which, uh, Aileen, would you and Otis be interested in uh, carrying your bike up a bunch of stairs? Yeah, I didn't <laughs> heard about this ride. It sounds awesome. I love the stairs of Alameda. I think this is going to be, I'm hoping, and I didn't come up with this idea either. Somebody else did this last year. I'm just leading a ride that does it this year. Yes. Uh, but I'm hoping this will be the same amount of stupid as the Lads 500, in which, <laughs> you know, it just seems ridiculous, but it's going to be a ton of fun. Yes. It's also uh, going to hurt. June 7th. I'm putting this on our calendar because yeah. I will be there. Yeah. The Prince Forever Ride. Uh-huh. Yes. And I will be there as Prince. It's Prince the musician. And, the, yes. The, uh, the, le- the legend. And um, and my lady will be there as Apollonia. Are you bring back the will... costume? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. We saved it for that purpose. Rare chance to see Aaron Flores in white. <laughs> yes. Uh, June 8th through 11th, the Oregon Ramble. Yes. Uh, this is that, that hosted tour by New Belgium Brewing. Yes. June 10th, Clever Cycles turns 10, 10 years old with an organized ride with celebrity ride leaders. I don't think we can say celebrity anymore. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. It's Who us. The, oh. We're not uh, celebrities. The, <laughs> not, Who are the celebrities? <laughs> you guys are totally celebrities. Couple of jerks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys are so famous. All thanks. Totally. Uh, June 10th, Ride with the Winemaker. Oh, you, thanks. We just heard about it, and I stuck it on our calendar. Oh, wait. June, is there going to be overlap with this? I hope so. It's We're going to make sure that there's it's not, It's Petapalooza. Right? <laughs> it's like there's so always. hard not to yeah. do that, yeah. which is what I love about it. Three rides a day. June 11th, Dad's on Vacation. Dad's on Vacation. Bring out your binoculars. June 14th, Bicycle Xmas. Buy your ex a bike. June 18th, Brompton World Championships in New York City. June 24th. Women Bike Beginners Bike Camp. That's right, out at Stub Stewart State Park. June 24th, Gathering at Gateway Green, featuring Dirt, Dirt Lab. Lab. July 7th, the Steens Mazama 1000. Is Otis up to the Steens Mazama 1000? That ride is so intense. <laughs> thousand miles. <laughs> that takes people, some people, like seven days. Yeah, you, yeah, you could yeah. I mean, you could take as long as you want, Oof, right? That's too much. <laughs> From July 7th to October 7th. 
<laughs> That's how one I month do. long. <laughs> July 15th through 16th, the uh, STP. Seattle to Portland, it is an organized ride. Yes, July 29th, Python. That's right. With now, the Live Sprocket podcast. And we, uh, I can't say who the headliner is going to be, but known Portland band is going to be a secret headliner. Where's the Python? Not Lumberjack? Uh, well, no. My band, oh. Lumberjack, will be playing there, but we've got Not someone who's Ooh. more important More than known us. than... Then Lumberjack. Yeah. Python I, happens. I don't, don't want to know. Yeah, in uh, Foster Powell neighborhood, southeast Portland. Uh, it's going to be a really cheap entrance fee this year, and there's going to be pie. I love pie. Yeah, come oh, have some pie, awesome. listen to some music, hang out on what's going to be, a, uh, doubtlessly, a gloriously sunny day. Uh, also, I was going to say about Python, we're going to be there. Yes. We're, we're going to be the interstitial MCs. The, the live Sprocket podcast. Yeah, and I don't think this year we're not going to we're do not like a sit-down. Yeah, but we're, we are going to do banter between sets, and uh, we're going to paste all that together into an episode right. of the Sprocket. I'll bring my A-game this time. That's right. Hosted by two celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> October 6th, the Amalex Challenge, the Allegheny Mountain Loop Cross Challenge. That's right. And October 6th through 8th, Youth Bicycle Summit. Which we talked about just the other week. Yes. Yeah. Well, hey, that has been our calendar. Every day, every day of the year. That is a great song, by Gotta the way. Gotta love that baritone sax. Yes, I know. You're a big fan. I am a huge fan of the baritone sax. Yeah, and the baritone sax is a huge instrument. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know who... <laughs> What band I was I was listening to the other day uses a baritone sax. I never noticed it until Morphine. recently. No. No. But Morphine does but use they a baritone do. Yes, and they're awesome. Uh, Fishbone. Fishbone. And bass sax. Is that right? This guy, like, hauls out this huge-ass, like, And gets funky with sax. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the size of a sewer pipe. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Sounds much nicer. Uh, hey, here come our headlines. Every time I lift my hand from Otis's scalp, he looks up and says, why did you stop? <laughs> yeah. All right. So first up from cyclingabout.com via senior debate antagonizer. Eric Iverson. We're glad to have a senior debate antagonizer. <laughs> How much does Dynamo Hub drag really slow you down? Lab testing results. And it's just numbers, numbers, numbers. <laughs> so many numbers. Numbers. Number. How, how would you how would you describe this? What what is um, best for for the uh, the person who cares? So my takeaway from this after after reading this, besides just just strings of numbers, <laughs> is um, the Sun Hub uh, without being turned on. So I'm guessing like without uh, electricity running out of it. Okay, has the least amount of drag out of the four or five that they tested. Does the electricity stay inside the hub and like grease it? I guess I don't know. Does the, like, the, how, if, I don't if the know electricity how turning, is not being turning charged it on or off made a difference. But this these were the two tests that they did. The only other thing I can and, think of is that if there is some like generating mechanism inside the hub that it's retracted or not not being, uh, it's not yeah, providing the drag that, that like it usually all, would. Like, passive because right because it's all coils right. Right. Uh, yeah. Neither do I. But anyways. I'm sure if I read this in more detail, I would have figured out like what they meant by that would involve math. Yeah. yeah, but 
So that, that has the least amount of drag when quote unquote turned off. However, when turned on, the one with the most amount of drag that was turned off made by Sanyo uh-huh. actually had the least amount of drag. Yeah, so so you kind of can't win. Yeah. Wait, so turned but on then, is Sanyo? But then like, yeah. It was the worst? Was the worst turned off, but was the least amount of drag turned on. I think that's the one I have. I thought you had a Shimano. I th- oh, I used to have I mean, it. Well, I forget now. We I can go out and look yeah. later. Um. So, and then I, I read like your effect on speed and, you know, they... They uh, they did this in a very like taking out the human element and uh, and like doing it in a very mechanized way and I I think that's great because <laughs> they have it, robots it, ride bikes. Well, they put them on a lathe. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think that's great. It takes like uh, a lot of variables out of the out of the equation. Right, like a lathe where like like a wood carving lathe. Yeah. So you know you run it on a motor and it watch just out for turns the tires. The, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's just the hub itself. Have you ever wanted like a, a a beautiful little goblet made from a bicycle wheel? Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think their methodology is pretty sound. But in the meantime, you know, if you're really like that concerned about drag and all that. You're just, probably not using just, a yeah, generator. Just get a hub. battery light. <laughs> <laughs> Weight weenies need not apply. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, what about the drag, the wind drag on the on the you know the light that's up on your handlebars? Right. 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 And what what jacket are you wearing? We need more antagonization. <laughs> around and are your legs shaved? Okay. So we also have another controversy from a different correspondent. Uh. Yes, from our senior controversies, we weren't aware of correspondent Eric Iverson. Oh, wait, never mind. Same guy. <laughs> Same guy. Different role. Cross-chaining isn't really all that bad. Cross-chaining. This came, this came from road.cc. That's when you have, like, uh, what is it? Uh, like, your chain goes diagonally so, across the chain line? Yeah, essentially. So you could be, like, in the small up front, but the small in the back. So you have, like, a diagonal out or a big up front and then big in the back. So you have, like, kind of a diagonal in. Your chain is not going in a straight line. It is wearing right. uh, at an angle. Yes. On the teeth of your chain rings. What it, What does it do? Is it really all that bad? Yes. These people asked Shimano, SRAM, Campagnolo, and FSA whether running the chain at extreme angles is a crime against cycling. And I just grabbed uh, Shimano, Campy's, and, uh, and SRAM's. Whoops. I mislabeled one of these. Uh, their responses. Shimano, when you run big... On big, you're pushing an uneven power transmission to the rollers, plates, and bushings. This uneven load causes extra friction, which increases the wear on the chain, and longer term leads to and leads to less than optimum gear shifting. So it affects your shifting in the long term. Yes, hmm. because you're wearing all the chain and the gears and whatnot. Okay. Campy says we all might find ourselves cross chaining during the heat of the battle during a race. Or on a hot day going <laughs> up a hill and just not thinking about right. it. That's what happens to me. That's the heat of the battle. <laughs> Whatever your battle With is. With gravity. The personal battle. <laughs> However, we shouldn't make a habit out of it as there is generally a similar metric development gearing position available on a larger, smaller chain ring. Essentially just saying like you can find that same um, ratio, gear ratio, or whatever in a different form. You know how disappointed I was when I was a kid and I realized that my 21-speed bike was not didn't actually, actually have 21, 21 speeds. Speed. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Essentially, it's like nine or something. Yeah. Yes. Um, That's what made me hate math. <laughs> 
At SRAM, we love Big Big. This is their response. Wow. Amongst mechanics on the NORBA and Mountain Bike World Cup circuit many years ago, we called Big Big the pro gear because professionals would ride it all the time, no matter what their mechanics told them. For good or for ill. The same applies to pro road racers. They'll stay on the big ring as long as possible. They are. There are very good reasons to stay on the big chain ring, even as far as the big sprocket. Chain management on rough terrain, access to tallest gears without having to shift in the front. Front shifts are slower than rear and much harder on the chain. So huh. they would encourage that everyone ride the big, big if they like, as long as they don't experience chain rasp on the front derailleur chain cage. rasp SRAM two by 11 drivetrains, specifically the yaw front derailleur are designed to accommodate this. So if you're, they, they've got the gear set up, <laughs> Like it's I like how like at change. the very end they like they punch you with this like this uh, sales pitch. Yeah, <laughs> I need to go out and get some new components. Well, you're about to get new components. <laughs> well, now so I might you... have to call up Velocult and change my order. Are you going to run big big from here on out? <laughs> yes. Okay. I there like, you go. I like the term the big 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 yes. big. Actually, what I'm going to do is just switch to a single gear where it's like 52 up front and like 32 in the back. Right. Okay. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> It'd be like the back chain ring is bigger than the, the front one. <laughs> Good times. Well, we may not have optimum gear chain line on our bikes right now, but what we do have beyond the shadow of a doubt is. Hey, we got mail. All right. First comes to us from Mr. T. Mr. T. He says, up till now, my only favorite Brockism was. Music is my stoke monkey. But now that classy and pleasant line has company. Quote, known asshat, if there has ever been a big shit-filled sack of white privilege, it's this guy. <laughs> and that was about Mike Jarrett from uh, the Fox News affiliate over in Philly. Do you even remember saying that? I, I do. <laughs> okay. I remember crafting how, those words. How, how do you feel about like this being... Your your next known quote. That's uh, interesting. I'll send it to him. You can use it as a <laughs> ringtone or something. <laughs> there you go. He says that is about as perfect and descriptive as language can get. And then he compared it to Clark Griswold's rant in Christmas <laughs> Vacation. Thank you. I'm and honored. I even linked to that. We can get that later. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, I, ho I just hope that Mike Jarrett is off the air for good soon for the sake of all those in Philly. He's not a nice person. We know this. Uh, yeah. You make fun of he, a kid, whether or not he was legally allowed yeah, to be honestly, on the freeway like, or not. It, it is kind of punching down. It, I never really, so. I'd never really thought about it in that angle, but yeah, he really was just very like, much so. he's a, he's a grown ass man yeah. picking on a 16 year old kid. Yep. I won't describe him again. You can go back and rewind if you need to. So. You got uh, you got more information about this uh, sharing the road idea. Yes, Kevin F. Aaron famously hates to road. share the road. I hate with it. Pedestrians. <laughs> oh damn you, pedestrians! <laughs> That's not exactly how that came out, but <laughs> if you want to twist it that way, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, so here are some tips from Kevin F. on sharing the road. The overtaking person slash vehicle always has the right of way, regardless of vehicle or lack thereof. So yes. even if you're a fast runner overtaking a walker, you still have to yield right of way. Right, until it's safe and, and uh, permissible safe to do to, so. Yes. Uh, use your bell. Uh -huh. uh, I could improve on that. 
Uh, people need to know that you're coming up back when his trail was sparsely used. People would jump when they heard the bell, but they are used to it now. I feel that way on like the Springwater Trail most times. Uh huh. Like nobody really like freaks out. They just kind of look now back. Now they know. And, yeah. And, yeah. Right. Well, you, and he mentions using an air horn, which is fun when you're in traffic, but not when you're approaching a pedestrian. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Um, However, clown horns are always permissible. <laughs> yes. Uh, all users do have responsibility to act in a predictable manner. Hold your line. <laughs> Hold your line. Or at least, you know, don't make any, like, quick, right. predictable turns. Yeah, don't dart in and out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A number of years ago, he there's a uh, bike-slash-runner collision where the runner had made an abrupt U-turn. The cyclist ran into them. Uh, both were hospitalized. And uh, the, yeah, the runner was actually killed in that collision. Oh, my. Uh, he goes on to explain that. Yikes. Um, Which leads to the next point. Lastly, don't get upset, just slow down. Um, talks about one guy who was the self-proclaimed etiquette enforcer <laughs> and would yell, yell at people who, were at, who weren't acting as he decided as they should. Be nice, which, damn it. Which I think is pretty ironic for an etiquette enforcer. Right. Um, and eventually he eventually flipped. flipped out and attacked people with a box cutter. Oh my so, god! Yeah, I think etiquette enforcer uh, no may, longer may have had other may have had other issues going on there. Clearly. Crazy. I I think the actually my takeaway from that little blurb is don't make yourself a self proclaimed enforcer of anything. Right. Like, yeah, people are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. You figure out how you're going to respond to it. Yeah. You yeah. can't control other people. Whether or not you have a box cutter. Even if they're running five wide on Alameda. Yikes. I cannot I cannot enforce them to not do that. That's intense. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the uh yes, that those are those are all good thoughts. Uh, a couple tweets here, one from Keith Hutchison. <laughs> and he sends us a picture of people with beer in public at Bike Party Indianapolis. Where it is not against the law to it drink a beer not, outdoors. Yes. It was a good picture, too. It the was. framing was really well done. It was, yeah. I uh, I retweeted it oh, with cool. the hashtag uh, both gloating and jealous. <laughs> I don't blame him for gloating. I would do the same yes. if it were legal here. Um, yeah. Aileen, how do you feel about beer outside? Sure. I mean, I me too. Why confine people to the indoors when you could be in the great outdoors? Totally, yeah. Reminds me of uh, there's this bill that's being attempted right now in Oregon to, to illegalize alcohol on the public beaches. Yes. Which mm. uh, is a killjoy of a law. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. What, what's the reasoning behind that? Because litter comes from drinking. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and you can't catch People somebody in the act. People who drink alcohol are too drunk to clean up after themselves. Yeah, you can't catch somebody in the act of dropping a can or a bottle on the sand, and so you have to penalize the actual act of drinking. Right, Yeah. right. Which, until now, I didn't realize it's legal to drink on the beach in Oregon. Oh, yeah. I had that no was, idea. Uh, I would have been out there like yesterday. Yeah, you can Who's make that? a fire. That? Oh, yeah. Oswald West right. made, made that legal? Yeah. Uh, well, he Oswald. made it. Yeah. And it's yeah. also they're also a highway. It's the only place you can drink in the middle of the road, and it's totally okay. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> That's no. true. Well, I mean, because the beach is considered a highway. Right. Yeah. Oh. It's not actually road. No, it's not a road, but yeah. It's considered a highway. It's considered a highway. Yes. That's why it's public property. Well, I knew it was public property, but yeah. I didn't know it was considered a highway. Yeah. Whoa. You I love ride... coming on the Sprocket Podcast. <laughs> so much education. You can ride your uh, fat, tired bike out there. Oh, I can't While wait drinking. To. Yes. Well, you could pilot I a... Drinking, I, I wouldn't but... advocate piloting a vehicle while drinking. That would be wrong. But technically, 
you could ride your bike on the beach with an open can of beer. In your sandals. And it would be okay, I think. I, in a no, I think no. that would be illegal because be illegal? you're operating, you're operating a, vehicle a vehicle. Never mind. With an open container. I, I said nothing. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we had this conversation. <laughs> okay. All right. But lastly. You be topless. Yes. That's legal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> uh, lastly, a tweet from J. Ting Walker. And he says, it was me with the Aprons Ultimate Team. Whoops. Not Pittsburgh, Indianapolis. Not Indianapolis. Sorry. Lots of other Pittsburgh talk on this pod episode, though. There we go. Yes, well, and I, I went and corrected and called my mom at 1 a.m. Good to apologized know. Apologized well, for shaming the family. She, yeah, she was the one that was worried about that, I would imagine. Uh, well, you know, you go to the head of the family and ask for forgiveness. That's right. That's res- very respectful yes. of you. Yeah. Yes. Even if it's one in the morning. She knows, I had to do it she at knows the time. While you're calling. I had to do it at the time that yes. it happened, you know. Absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't sleep, you know, with this with this trespass going unforgiven. How do you sleep now? Oh great. Like a baby. Like yes. Good. Good. All right, we got that taken care of. I'm glad to hear. <laughs> Alien, thank you for coming on this Rocket hey, Podcast. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thanks for having me and thanks for having mascot Otis. Otis, thank you for coming on this Rocket Podcast. Hey. Otis says nothing. Like a good dog. If me. he could talk, he would say thank you for having me too. It's been delightful. Very good. All right. Well, let's close this thing out. All right. Hey, we never finished the uh, theme music last time. All right. Here it comes again. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at Stream PDX Community Audio Studio thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text, as many have done, to 503-847-9774. And many more shall Twitter at Sprocket Podcast. So shall it be done. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herb Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for fabulous graphic design on a patch. Yes. Thanks to sustaining donors Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Melmgard. Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie. Justin Martin, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lee. Richard Wazenski, Tim Mooney, Orange and Purple. Glenn Gubish, Matt Kelly, Jim Gooden. Eric Weiss, Doug Cohen Miller, Todd Parker. Chris Gonzalez, Dan Gebhardt, who is a time traveler, Zoe Campagna. Dave Nose, Chris Smith, Christy Kaster. Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt. Patrick Archain, Sebastian Poole, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, Krista, John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Josh Zissin, Richard G, Guthrie Straw, who right now is in Iceland, Brandon Shelby, Campsite, Aaron Green, Magnus, David, Kathy at Cycling, Walking, Eating, Talking, Nathan Poulton, Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan, Kathy, I said it right this time, Michael Flournoy, Jeremy Kitchen, <laughs> David Belay. Tim Coleman, Mr. T, Harry Hugo, Ed Whitman, E.J. Finneran, Paul Culbertson, who... If that's your yeah, real name. I doubt it. <laughs> Brad Hipwell, Thomas Cato, Christopher Barnett, Keith Hutchison, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Derek Wagner, and Jason Oftenberg, and Ryan, and Ryan Tam. Tam, and all, and of, all of our, our former, former donors, donors who helped us get this far. Now, eat a hot dog. With toothpaste on it. And go to bed. That's right.
It's all about performance. That's the name of the game. I pump up my tires and I oil my chain. Performance. That's the name of the game, and I always ride through the pain. I'm on a motherfucking bike.